There is a massive regenerative revolution growing and myceliating all over the world right now, and we're going to explore it together. After all, we humans, we're a pretty brilliant species, and we totally can play positive roles on the planet that help the planet heal and help each other heal. Together, we're embarking on an exploration of this movement through interviews with a diverse array of brilliant human beings leading the way towards this drastic, ecologically and socially positive lifestyle and systems change that is needed to turn our modern society around. I'm your host, Jennings Ingram. The topics that we'll be covering will include food forestry, agroforestry, permaculture, bio and mycoremediation, alternative currencies, alternative business structures, effective communication, and ways to heal and expand our consciousness with psychedelic and plant medicines. You guys ready? Let's do this. Hi, everyone. I'm here today with Jenny Smith. She's the founder of Community Carbon Trees in Costa Rica a paradigm-shifting, socially responsible reforestation nonprofit that pays living wages with the goal of planting a million trees, and they're over halfway there. She's been finding and brokering deals to reforest parcels of land for over 15 years and has led the planting of, yeah, over half a million trees now. Jenny is the subject of the documentary One Precious Life, and I'm so excited to dive into her incredible work with you guys today. Hi, Jenny. Welcome. Thank you. I'm super excited too. It's great to be here. Yes. Gosh, you you and your work, you inspire me so much. And I was curious if you could just tell us a little bit more about you and about Community Carbon Trees and the work that you guys do. Absolutely. Um, you know, that feels good to inspire people because really that's what community carbon trees is all about is inspiring people to find a way a small way to give back to nature and to create a trustworthy and an equitable biodiverse reforestation group that connects people who are looking for a way to do more for the planet earth and then people here living near the equator who are really holding some of the last rainforest on the planet and who have the power to keep planting and regenerate trees near the equator where they just give us compounded, powerful, impactful benefits for our current climate crisis. So I just wanted to find a way to connect everybody and go, all right, sponsor a tree and we'll plant it and take care of it and do that long-term. Yes. That's amazing. I'm so interested in all the different arms of the way that you have community carbon trees set up. So you have, you know, um, you pay local people in Costa Rica where you live living wages to do the reforestation work. This is just a little rundown from what I've gathered from the internet. So, uh, and then you also have nurseries and then businesses can actually, um, sponsor a tree to offset their carbon footprint. And yeah, could you tell us a little bit more about how it's structured and the different ways that you guys make this massive reforestation possible? Yeah, I think we're unique in the aspect that we actually do create sustainable jobs for local Costa Ricans. And we are also unique because we don't buy the land. We want to encourage local people to remain stakeholders, to keep their land, but this land is all very degraded from cattle farming. So while I do a lot of private work for foreigners who have purchased land here, that's beautiful. Everyone reforest, but community carbon trees is about that community work on land owned by local people with the fair pay and the follow-up or the trees end up dying. And so the follow-up is really important. The fact that the farm owners are involved in choosing all their species. You know, we are planting food for us, so many different species and blending in the seed collection for the nurseries. And that gives a unique place to make jobs for women, which is awesome. Making compost, you wouldn't believe how much compost we have to make per year to to produce, you know, 30,000 trees. I mean, we're talking tons. 
And um, all of this costs money. You know, a real tree planting organization, it, it costs money. You can't do it for a dollar. So, and that should cost money. It's really hard work, right? So I'm a revolutionary. I'm a lawyer besides being an agroforester. So when I started learning about carbon footprints and the carbon market, 25, 30 years ago, before I moved to Costa Rica, it clicked for me, you know, wow, we all have a footprint. So if everyone was a little more responsible with their personal footprint, we wouldn't, we wouldn't fall into a big mess, but we didn't do that. You know, 30 years ago, we, we didn't do that. We waited and we waited and we waited and now it's 2021. And, you know, same idea. And the carbon footprint neutrality is, is what we offer to individuals and to businesses. We have a lot of companies that say, you know, they make a beautiful product. Um, we have a company that does CBD oil, very um, helpful medicine for people. And they donate trees regularly, depending on how much they sell. So it, it's a voluntary decision and we can help people calculate their footprints and get an idea of what it is and, and then offset it. And one of our trees grown to maturity, which is 25 years. So that means we have to spend money and labor on taking care of it. And we want to, because that's making the jobs for locals. It's helping to conserve what we plant. It's keeping the standing forest standing because they don't need to cut it down. They're making money from planting more. They get it. Something has changed inside their mind, right? They went from, what can I cut down in that forest to, I don't want to cut that down. I need to get the seeds for the nursery to produce those 500 trees of that species. So I continue to have my job. Gosh. Yeah, that's paradigm changing, right? And it's, it takes a decade. Somebody told me once, a linguist, that it would take me 10 years to be truly bilingual in Spanish, right? And I learned Spanish growing, growing up at, at school. And I thought, nah, she was right. I mean, I didn't really understand the nuances and the, the ironies and the, the double meanings until 10 years. And it's the same with, with changing mindsets and communities. They, it takes that long and it takes a lot of failure along the way. So the organization, Community Carbon Trees, we're there with this educational, collaborative, holding hand vibe with the farmers and the workers and listening to them and their needs and, and their poverty, right? And, and that informed me. It was like, oh, poverty is the reason they're cutting it down. So, well, if we make jobs, we're going to fix that. And you know, we've been around long enough to say, yes, it's true. It's true. And it's working. And so all those branches, all those arms, as you say, um, they all work together. And we have one more arm that blends us again back into, let's say, the, the world at large. So we, we want to plant equator trees because of the climate benefits are so powerful and so compounded, but also the idea of the value added products we produce. So probably some of the things you love most come from the rainforest regions, coffee, chocolate, avocados, mangoes. Yeah. That's just a few and pineapples, which are actually killing the rainforest because they're deforesting forests to plant pineapples in monoculture. So again, like where'd your pineapple come from? It goes so beyond just, you know, the actual 
planting of trees, but what what alternate agricultural pro projects are happening that that encourage deforestation, cutting down trees, African oil palm, mm, yeah. which is what I think one of my interns once did a, a, a study, 70 million gallons of African oil palm are consumed on our planet per year. Yeah. I mean, as the food forest goddess, you know, like, I mean, we all have to diversify what we're eating and where it's coming from and remember how beautiful small is. Yes. You've brought together all these different elements, right? So it's empowering for the landowners. They're choosing they're basically getting to grow the type of food forest that they want, the types of forest that they want. And then the companies or the, the people who are sponsoring the tree planting, they're getting to offset their carbon emissions. And then also, I'm really interested in the whole kind of mindset shift that you're describing for people who um, it's going from a mindset of, right, like, what can I cut down to what can I help grow to maturity so that I can save the seeds and and propagate them. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Like how, how that works. So for the landowners, they're like, maybe just pretending like you're approaching a landowner, what would you say? These are the benefits of working with us. And this is why you want these trees planted. And yeah, how does it all, how does it work? For That's that a process? great question. Really? It is. We're, we're starting with new farm owners in the last month or so. I'll be there again tomorrow. And we're absolutely having those conversations because it's hard for them to give up pasture land that they've had cows on because that's what they're making money on. Even though it's not good money, they're, they're insecure. Right. And so, yeah, first they're going to get paid for every hour of work as the farm owner. Right. But then when they find out all the different kinds of trees that we're offering them, to plant and all the fruit and then this value adds. So we've got our women's group. And so we say, Hey, we want to plant 200 chocolate trees and mix them in. And eventually we'll buy your chocolate and you can be in the cooperative and make money off that. Hey, you know, we're going to plant a hundred orange lemon trees and you can get on, on the women's aloe vera juice little business. So we, we want to start with the communities and the farm owners and the workers and the women's group, small businesses, because we have a very strong farmer's market culture here. We all buy from farmer's markets. And so they really make money by selling their fruits. And then the seed collection part that's more of like a heart connection of them just valuing again, their older trees. And so if they've got forest on their land that they can collect from, then we always encourage that. And they feel very, it's really the whole circle, right? The seed to the tree, back to the seed. And a lot of our farmers who their trees are now 17, 18 years old, we're getting seed material from trees we planted. Mm -hmm. I don't have to get somebody to walk five miles anymore to go get the very rare threatened mountain almond. Now we can get them from Jose's farm right down the street. And everybody knows it. And that's amazing because the whole zone is more aware. What are the trees that are threatened? What are the trees for our animals? What trees should I plant by my water stream? And if I get these seeds and I bring them to the nursery or I get them somehow, we have three different nurseries in three different communities. So there's at least eight people employed purely in, in tree nurseries, which is I think really special because that's, that becomes a, like a gathering place in the community. You know, I, I, people see my car arriving and next thing I know there's seven or eight people hanging around and everybody's loading the truck and, Oh, that's called the la la. Oh, I saw this tree blooming, Jenny. I'm going to go check. You know, it's just this nice way to be 
social and have a meeting place that's positive and it's theirs, right? It's theirs. We're all about that, like self-managing. It's one of the pillars of permaculture, sociocracy. And because I was a lawyer in my other life, right? Before I moved here, I'm very interested in human rights and in equitable treatment. It's become a buzzword now, you know, it should be inner intersectional environmentalism definitely these are problems where the lowest economic areas are targeted for some of the gnarliest factories i'm from louisiana so i i worked on one of the first environmental racism cases in louisiana like in 1996 I was a baby lawyer and I was like, you know, in the boxes, I was young lawyer, only out of school for a couple years. And, um, and it was frustrating. It was frustrating to witness that, that that was true, that there was environmental racism and that it was a, a plastics factory. So, all that influenced all this like wanting to include this justice element and this self-empowerment, self-management, self-inspiration and pride. Like I got these seeds from the last Javier there was, look at me. And I'm like, yeah, look at you, look at you. You're going to be responsible for 200 baby trees getting produced and they love it and they feel they feel self-esteem and that you have to do that if you're going to change a paradigm right you can't go in with your fingers waving and who are you kind of thing I mean I've been here a long time I took the citizenship test Saturday. So I'm excited about that. But, um, you know, I've also worked in other countries. I've worked in Kenya and it was a different experience in Kenya, how to get along with the Maasai and how to bring in the women and change. And it was, it's still very different than it is here. So you have to let them inform you and figure out what's going to make them feel good. What's going to make them feel like a winner and like a, a hero. Yeah. So I think the seed collecting is where that part of the parapsychology, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I just like seed collecting too. I think it's my favorite part. It feels like a, a treasure hunt. That's really interesting to hear too about the, um, you know, the cooperatives that you guys are forming around the different tree products being produced, right? The cacao and the citrus and all that. And so are you finding that it's providing, you know, economic support and community uplifting and kind of, can you talk about some of the, some of the rippling effects that you're seeing and how that's going? Well, first, Costa Rica is very healthy when it comes to cooperative farming and work. They're amazing. So those co-ops, the Costa Ricans already know how to do it, right? That's beautiful. They've taught me a lot. That's what's so awesome about working in a foreign country and, and staying open to, hey, what am I missing what, what, what do I not know, right? Because we can't know everything. And so the co-op situation is something they're very comfortable with. And so we kind of jumped on their bandwagon with that, at least I did, right? And said, well, we could do it with chocolate. So we have a chocolate chef and we're trying to raise money right now to build a certified sanitary kitchen 
let's face it, that's not like tree sponsorship. So we're very transparent with, you know, how we manage our, our donations. I can't spend donations on that. So we're looking for grants or like an angel person. Again, we do things frugal. I mean, talking like $40,000, you know, not a huge amount of money. Frick, Jeff Bezos spent how much? You know, we're all talking about that. Like, okay, whatever. We got work to do here, Jeff. You know, I know you supposedly gave money to some kind of group, but there's so many groups that aren't really... Yeah. I, you don't know where the money goes. So it's important to manage the money properly. And, you know, this kitchen idea, once we have that kitchen, then I think that chocolate business will really expand. For now, they make chocolate and they sell it at the farmer's markets. Even with COVID, we've maintained a good bit of being able to continue to sell the produce and some of the products. So that was also, you know, COVID interrupted a lot of things uh, for everyone everywhere. But here, because things are outside a lot, I think we were able to stay a little more solid. And um, I think that with the value adds, we're also looking at turmeric, which is curcuma, which is a big thing. If that market is a little flooded, we're also growing a lot of moringa, which is a superfood which can be dried. And we've made some special uh, tea with tea bags out of it. Moringa is good for everything under the sun, including in boosting your immune system just exponentially, way more. Uh, it's stronger than any kind of vitamin C out there. So, we have a couple of little projects like that, like putting the turmeric in um, like a coconut powder to make the golden milk, but have it be instant. So, you know, I'm giving away a lot of ideas, which is fine. I'm into open free information. We have another cool superfood called guapinol, which is a powder, which comes from a big tree seed. So they're all tree treats and things that come from trees and they're all sort of fledgling, right? Because we can't go very big until we get our kitchen. Mm -hmm. So we're in that, you know, and I believe everything comes when you're ready. I've been at this long enough. And I think the women's group is strong and they're pulling together and, and we have recently been offered to apply for a grant for a pub. Hopefully, you know, we touch base again in a year and I'm like, here's the chocolate bar and we're exporting it to the yes. USA. <laughs> That's the idea. And that shows other groups around the world. Um, you know, we have manuals and they're also open sourced. They're, they're just like the products. They're, they're kind of fledgling still. They probably need about a week and a half of just hardcore editing. Um, but they're basically done of all the pods, all the branches, how they work, the simple, simple systems for the people participating. What's the communication tree so that small tree groups in other countries, especially near the equator, because it's where we're going to get the big bang, mm -hmm. then they can copy our model and we can consult with them, whether it be on Skype, Zoom, or get on an airplane and go. And, and we've done that in a few other cases where we've consulted. It's not our project. They're just using the model and we're kind of mentoring them. So I even dream of being like really expanding community carbon trees where we're in a place where we're able to even offer some financial assistance to groups that we deem you're administratively set up enough. We like your lead person here. Here's $30,000 plant 4,000 trees. Let's see how it goes. Mm. Something like that. But one step at a time, right? One tree at a time. Yes. It's, I love this whole model, like the way that you're doing it. It's so inclusive and it's just like, 
hitting on all these different areas that have become they've become problems in modern society, right? But they don't need to be problems. Like we don't need to cut down the forest and have people have to work in in these ways that are not supportive of the planet. So it's so cool. Yeah, and I love the idea of what you guys are doing as a scalable model. Cause to me, I'm like, yeah, every literally everyone needs to be doing this. Like this is the type of, of structure that we need desperately in this time. There are a lot of groups doing tree planting work. And I think educating your listeners, like what kind of model are they using? And ask questions before you donate your money. Like, is this a model that I think is going to be a long-term positive impact socially, globally, environmentally? Are the trees really going to grow? Or is this kind of a scam? Because there's, there's, there's scams everywhere in all all places, all businesses. So this is no different than any other. You're going to pick up the shoe and look at it. Do I like this? And I, and I think that, you know, we want more people using this model, as you said. And so that's why we share it. We're like, you want to, you want to copy it here. We'll make it easy for you. That's beautiful. Um, that's very much in the spirit of yeah, nature, like there's not scare, like, like a tree producing all these seeds, like there's not scarcity with that, you know? So I, I love that you're fully operating in that ethic. That's amazing. Hmm. Some work for me to get there though. I think in the earlier part of my journey, I was more like, ah, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, because, but yeah, I have mentors too. And, and time showed me if I just keep doing the work and stay true to my ethics and integrity, then the group will have that leadership. And then it won't matter what else is going on. We're going to be so busy that I don't have time to think about it. And it's kind of there. So that's good. That's amazing. I was curious, you know, how has it been for you? First of all, it's like a really interesting transition kind of from being, you know, in the world of being a lawyer, and then you're working with all these legalities and sort of, I see that work as like sort of removed from reality in a lot of ways. And now you're very much like on the front lines of direct action, like literally planting, leading the planting of over half a million trees. And that's like a really fascinating transition to me, um, especially leading this whole movement as a woman in in a foreign country that's like, I would just be so interested to hear some of your reflections on how that, you know, shift to direct action and process has been for you. Yeah, I think this is the part of the story that that people can really get inspired for their own purpose. And that was what One Precious Life was really about, was that uh, experience, that transformational moment that I had as really as a very young child with nature, knowing deeply that I was here to be a servant of nature and and basically like a deal I made. Yeah. So I became a lawyer thinking that would be the way that I would make good on my deal. And, and it was right. But you're, I love how you said that. Like it's a little removed from reality. It was, And I wasn't happy and I didn't like being pushing paperwork around all day. As you also said, the legalities and I didn't like the conflict and the adversary nature. It wasn't about always what's best or what the truth is. It was like, who has the best lawyer and pays the highest paid scientist to tell their side of the story? We're living that reality right now, you know? So the corruption and the compromising I felt myself doing as a 20-something-year-old, it stopped me in my tracks. And I thought, how will I feel when I'm 53? And I did this my whole life. Will I feel good? Even though I'm trying to be on the good side of things and even though I'm doing environmental work, but I see the compromising everywhere and it feels far away. It feels far away from what I thought it was going to be. So I say, don't be afraid to change your mind and don't be afraid to be open and leave. 
And I came on a vacation to Costa Rica because I'd always wanted to come here. Had some crazy dream about learning to surf from Louisiana. There's no waves in Louisiana unless there's a hurricane. But um, I came here on a vacation and literally right place, right time, synchronicity, fate, destiny, crazy, crazy person who says, yes, I'll take the job. $400 a month sounds great. And I went back and quit my law job and six months later and moved to Costa Rica in 1998. And the job I took was with an, a conservation group here that was working with the Nature Conservancy to educate the Costa Rican communities about the importance of biological corridors. So back in the late 90s, that was the movement. How are we going to save the rainforest? Well, we're going to tell all these poor people that they can't cut any trees down, that it's important that these corridors remain standing. So I was like, okay, I'm in. So I did reporting. I wasn't the lead person because I wasn't Costa Rican. Um, not like I am now. No, just kidding. Um, but I was there and I learned a lot and I met a lot of local people and, and impoverished people who were not receiving the message. You could tune in to their spirit. And it was like, how dare you come and lecture me? I don't have anything kind of thing, just some dead land because somebody told me to burn it down and put cows on it and gave me some money for that. And now I'm stuck with dead land. So everything is a step along the way. And while that was, it was the perfect place for me to start. I got to practice Spanish. I got to see how the government works. I got to see how conservation groups work. I got to see the chorizo, which means fatty sausage. I love that word. That's like the, the yucky corruption with the money from a lot of these big conservation groups and such. It's just money and nothing gets done. Nothing gets done. And they're not always making friends and influencing people, right? Sometimes they're making enemies and dialing it in and then they drive off in their big car and these poor people are sitting there like well now what now what and so yeah the law thing I mean I wouldn't be sitting here as the founder of a nonprofit, which is now a public utility in Costa Rica I, I would have never gotten that status if I weren't a lawyer you know and if I didn't know how to fiduciary duty or manage other people's money or, um, or spoke, went to a good private school in Louisiana and learned Spanish. So there's the white privilege there. Right. Um, I love nature. I love getting dirty. I did that as a kid with my brothers. Right. I always loved having a garden. Um, Mm -hmm. always always connected in with plants and the soil and the rain so I just kind of think uh it was just the weirdest destiny blend and I was brave I really was I can look back on it now and go damn Jenny your 53 year old self is very proud of your 27 year old so, I mean, there have been big lessons and I, I'm, I keep going. I'm, I'm committed. That's amazing. I mean, everything from, you know, you like had a dream. That's really interesting to me too, because that's part of how I came to be in Hawaii, like helping women develop food forests here was I had these ocean dreams and I'm from North Carolina, wow. you know, like another Southern another Southern area. And like, so, and I would have these recurring ocean dreams and for years I had them. And then finally got to come here and kind of the same sort of thing, just like things, things really fell into place like destiny, you know? So it's like, yes. so interesting to me to hear about like the dream element of that for you. Oh, the dream world is our subconscious and there's something there and it, Maybe it's a past life. I mean, I do feel that I've done this tree thing over and over. 
Um, I just do have different reasons for saying that I chose, you know, I'm a meditator and a yogi and I love all the yogic scriptures and, you know, Buddhist philosophy. And they say, you choose your parents. And I chose a daddy who's a very country hunter, fisherman, tree planter, but also an inventor and a hard worker and a frugal self built man who always, you know, lifted me up as, you know, a tough girl. Like he's like, you're tough. You can take it. And my mom was just a big kid, right? It was like, yes, of course you're going to move to Costa Rica. Like nobody ever once told me no. They were like, this, this is living, Jenny. Do it. Do it. And so that was a blessing. I did have that push. And then I had some hard times here where you know, and had zero money. I mean, trees still don't make a lot of money, but I'm blessed to have more than what I need. I made a conscious choice not to have children. I, I, that was just the right choice for me for multiple, multiple reasons. And so the mission became my child. And I feel, I feel like I'm living on purpose. And so, yeah, everybody's going to have that, like you have that constellation of special signs and dreams and signals and resonance. And you're like, oh, wow, I think that's for me. And I just say, try, take it. You know, um, one of my teachers talks about, you know, when our, our destiny calling us and that it actually hurts more to not follow that urge, that destiny, that calling to not get up and do the work, to not show up for that thing that, that furthers us. It hurts more than to just do the thing, right? Just get up and do it. Yes. Cause it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. If it does, generally, I think those things are a little unstable, just like a tree does not give fruit overnight. It does not. There's no way we cannot No. So I'm into slow and steady and kind of turtle energy. Like just keep going, keep going. Don't stop. Keep up. Things will open for you. If you do the work and you, you be brave, right? When the moment comes, it's like, okay, I'm going to go for it. I create this podcast in the spirit of the gift, modeled after the resource sharing and abundance we see throughout nature. I believe that monetary reasons should never stand in the way between anyone and the empowerment to make a positive change and to be inspired. If you want to support the broadcasting of the messages from these different leaders all across the movement, you can do so for as little as $5 a month via our Patreon, which is linked below. There's a quote from the documentary where you're saying, or the little piece of the documentary that I got to see where you said, um, I feel a primordial pain, yet my faith is inexhaustible. And I just really, I resonated with that. And I was curious, you know, like, how did you develop this faith that this work uh, matters and must exist and to dedicate your life to it and, and to create not just for yourself, but literally like you're planting for the future. It is such a poignant part of the film and the screenwriter did a lot of interviews with me. And so when I received the script, it's very poetic. And that line really, it choked me up um, because I feel I have felt the pain of seeing so much forest destroyed 
in nature destroyed. It's no accident. I'm from Louisiana, you know, is there during different hurricanes, the, the oil spills, seeing nature destroyed. My awakening as a five-year-old was witnessing an oil spill in the water and asking my dad about it and asking why, why do we use oil if it's so bad? And it's look at everything it killed. It was just this whole thing. And I'm asking my dad about the, all the, the refineries in Louisiana and like spitting out the smoke and stuff. And I'm like, can the sky take it? Can it take it? And my dad would be like, Oh, you child, you worry about these massive things. You're seven stop. So I think, and because of my spiritual journey, my yogic journey, my inner journey, I think that I came to this planet with this devotion to this work, to the planet. And I think that that comes from a very ephemeral and indescribable faith. <laughs> that is inexhaustible because I don't understand it. I don't know where it comes from. We can call it God. You can translate God as the, the generator, organizer, deliver, destroyer. You can, you know, I'm not defining it religious. I'm not going Piscean, you know, we're in the age of Aquarius now. We're beyond, I mean, I'm into oneness, you know, and creative, the creator, whatever. The, I don't know what it is. I don't know. And I wouldn't even try to describe it, but it's a feeling. It's an inexhaustible faith. And so the work for me is that. And for anybody out there, your work is exactly the same thing. Just because nobody's work is better or more important than anybody else's, it's not. Mm. It, it really isn't because each person is here to do their deal, the deal they made, the deal they came here with and do it. In my world, you know, and I go and give back to nature because whatever your thing is, we're all living on this planet together and she's he it they are exhausted mm -hmm. and yet nature thrives it wants to survive i feel that right inexhaustible faith mm -hmm. it's a pain what's happening right now but i have an exhaustible faith i mean that one sentence can apply to everyone in every situation. And I think we do share an angst right now, a pain about what's happening to the planet, to our social structure, to our health. And it's all related. I think, I feel our health is related to the health of the planet. Definitely. With three new, three new plagues, in trees in Costa Rica this year, trees all over the place are dying. Wow. Specific species. I need to like do another good Instagram post about it because I went to another farm on Friday, all dead, all from the same fungus. And we think the fungus is related to the longer rainy season we've been experiencing for about six years now. It's just not drying out as much when we should have a very pronounced dry season where the trees and earth and everything can kick out its fungus, but we're not getting that anymore. So look, I'm not here to convince anybody of anything, not about God, not about yoga, not about trees, not about climate change, not about social justice. I'm just one little person with opinions, you know, resonate, don't resonate. I'm open. Everybody has opinions and I love having different opinions. I just think and feel that deeply my opinion, my naturalist observation is we have a lot more sickness 
in nature, in animals, and in humans. And I think it's related. I think it's related to our separation from nature, our stress, our food, lights and light pollution and noise pollution and information pollution and all the pollutions that are out there. Our water is not clean. We're on drugs. Yeah, we're escaping, we're disassociating. And now we're being forced to really, you know, try to think for ourselves in the context of a world, you know, propaganda, pandemic, division, hatred about everything. It's really a moment. 2021 it sure is gosh it sure is you know um and we're here we need people to be turned on like you and putting your stuff out there you know and yeah I like what you said Mm, I like what you said about yeah you're not here to convince anyone because it reminds me of um it reminds me of can do is just try to live as the example of what we would like to see you know and you're an amazing example of that to creating community webs systems together it's just like it could not be more important right now gosh thank you yeah it really is like a real point of hope for me and I hope for other people who will listen as well what I aim to do and and yeah stay strong out there I know you're you're working with women as well and Mm -hmm. planting and and do you find them very receptive very much I mean really like literally everyone I work with all women like I, I, it's like, we feel this, it's some type of connection that, that we all seem to really have and be like feeling right now. And I can't tell you exactly what it is, but I can just feel like we have to, we have to take a stand. We have to plant, we have to like do this. Like now is really the moment to do this. And anyone who wants to be part of it, I am like, I'm extremely open to that. And it does seem to be a lot of women who are really awake to this. Yes. I think the women are holding the, you know, the motherhood wisdom and the future generations, you know, we do have to leave them uh, a better situation than what we're in right now. And, you know, we've had all these terrible forest fires over the last four or five years and burn season is coming up again. It's just like, we cannot get overwhelmed. We must lift each other up and encourage each other. And I think women, women have to keep learning to do that more. And we have to lift up the men. We have, Mm. we need the men, we need their strength. We need their protection. We need their brawn. I need men in our work. I, I, you know, good job, you know, because we need our men to feel sacred and needed. I think we've had enough of like, okay, women, you know, I think it's like, all right, let's get over it and get to work. Let's get over it and get to work and, and be big enough because we are big enough, be big enough to lift the men Mm. without the men knowing we're doing it or whatever, you know, not being like, but it, there's a, there's an art to relay with, I mean, we are different men and women are, we are different. And I think women, we need to honor and work as a woman. I've been a woman in this work. You said that earlier and it's true. I've been a woman and there've been times I've shed tears. They were so genuine and they were exactly what were needed in the moment. Mm. And I just let them flow and it just cleared and softened and allowed the group 
to come back together. And there's just, there's no holding back when you're dedicated to a mission. You really, you do have to, well, sometimes you got to be silent and you got to know when not to speak or what not to say. But um, I think, you know, embracing my femininity, even, you know, while I'm in covered in mud and in grubby boots, it's fine. It, yes. Keep the femininity and let the men be masculine. Mm-hmm. So wherever we are on the spectrum of however we identify our gender, you know, exactly. everyone or matters. Race or our socioeconomic. It was a bummer to me. I'll be honest. It was a bummer when I saw the whole movement of Black Lives Matter and Me Too with the women. We've had some really great movements, but sometimes it feels like it's dividing us more. Yeah. And I want these movements to bring us back together. How do we heal that? I think it's a big question. It's a big question. Yeah. I think, yeah, coming, managing to come together, I guess, you know, in our lives, I suppose, both of us, it's like the people around us, we're all coming together around working with nature in a lot of ways. So for me, that's kind of like the glue (laughs) um, for the majority of my life. Well, it goes across all lines, right? When ultimately when the hurricane comes, you know, or the big flood, it doesn't matter, you know, it hits everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, people in a stronger house know, so there's the socioeconomic. You've got to really be honest when you see the roots of the problems. But I think climate change and nature is a big unifier. It's the most blind, right? Like, mm-hmm. we all live under the same sky, Period. We are breathing, you know, we are all living under the same sky. Yeah. Um, But it's nerve wracking that the super wealthy, you know, are now, I mean, they're going to colonize another planet. Who cares? Whatever. I think they are. They think they are. I don't think (laughs) that. Whatever, you know, Um, I'm going to stick it out here. Right. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm an earthling and maybe an alien side one, but I'm an earthling. Um, yeah, I think what you said is really good. I think nature is the glue, the green glue. Yes. The sap, the, the juice. Still so many things I want to talk to you about. Um, you know, listening to the trees. One precious life you were born. And then you were born for this. And um, I was kind of curious your reflections on that and also how you stay positive and, and advice for people to stay positive and activated in this time of intensity now in 2021. Yeah. That back to the idea of making it broader than me, right? In the sense of if we have more humans living on purpose, when people are satisfied and doing something, they at least they don't hate it, right? Like not everyone's going to absolutely love their job, but you can always find a way to bring things you love and do, do your job with love right? You're, you're there on purpose. And it's, it's going to forward something that you love. So if we can just remember that we can relax, right? Because that's been an issue for me. I'm, I'm not good at relaxing. I'm a go, 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 you know, and moving on a little gravel road in Costa Rica and living here for 20 something years with I mean, it's a Pueblo of 450 people, right? There's nowhere to go. I mean, you know, where there is to go, I love the beach, the waterfalls, da, da, da. You know, I have friends and hobbies, but it's a quiet life. And I used to look at the trees and be like, how do you stand there so still and sway in the wind and you don't move? 
And so listening to the trees, yeah, we just hear these whisperings of relax, Jenny, relax. I mean, I literally heard the trees tell me over and over and over to relax. And I thought that's so odd. Um, so that messaging came out in the film because I think it, it also caught the screenwriter Traden's creative mind. Like what a, what an, what a concept um, because we were born for this. We were born to be happy. Our birthright is love and abundance. It is. We, we got off track with consumerism. It's not the same thing. I mean, everybody wants to have nice this and that and the other. Um, but keeping it simple and just remembering to find that sense of relax, I think we're able to, to perform better, to, to be better, to be more creative and more constructive instead of destructive, you know, because we're rested and we're relaxed and we're thinking clearly. So that's just been something that I use sort of as a, let's call it a mantra. And, and I'm a meditator. And I think these intense times call for humans to learn to sit quietly and breathe and quietly observe what's going on inside themselves, inside their mind, and witness the craziness that's going on and find a way to, to be sovereign, to be sane in an unsane world. And for me, meditation does that. And, you know, uh, there's all kinds of yoga out there. I practice a very specific kind of yoga called Kundalini or Kriya yoga. It's very powerful and it will clear your negative self-sabotage subconscious non-serving patterns away. It will clear them away. Um, you have to practice, you have to do the work, but it, 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 it's truly my tool for staying positive and staying with endurance and stamina and health and chi or prana or energy, you know, I mean, I work 14, 15 hour days. I've been up since 4.15, you know, that there, you know, and go, go, go. Um, and yes, almost an hour and a half, well, almost two hours of that was doing yoga. Of course I did it at 4.30 this morning because it's a priority for me. It really is so. I think there's so much available online. If anybody hears this and they're like, you know, I'm going to try out that Kundalini stuff. I practice on Rama TV. It's simple. You, there's free stuff on there. You can check it out. There's all different kinds of teachers and um, it's, it, it, it's accelerating whatever activation you've got going on. It'll keep you on task and you'll clear out the anger, the frustrations and I clear it out every day. And if I didn't, I'd probably be a lot more triggery. I'd probably um, not attract the same uh, quality of people because I know the kind of people I attracted before I started practicing Kundalini yoga. And it's definitely all upgraded. I mean, my work life has always been good, right? But as a giver and a server, sometimes you attract the wrong people. And, you know, I had some people that betrayed me or, and it's always a relay, right? I wasn't paying enough attention or I was not seeing the subconscious clues and I was doing my patterns. Mm -hmm. 
So it's just helped change a lot of patterns and, and we'll see what else keeps changing with it, right? Because I practiced a different kind of yoga before kundalini yoga. So it may not be yoga. Again, I'm not here to convince. It might be writing in your journal, reading a book. It might be sitting and watching the sunset. It might be watching your child play. It, it might be cooking dinner. It might be painting. It might be drawing. You know, it might be playing a musical instrument. Mm. Um, it might be working in your garden. It's something that you're doing with you and you, right? That's not social. That's like, this is me and me feeding my inner self and hopefully getting a, a, a shifted view of my inner self. Like how can I shift? Yeah. Can I change my mind? Can I let someone else shift? and grow can I forgive mm. can I ask for forgiveness because I'm not perfect working yeah. with big groups of people wow I mean that is a behavior pattern workout <laughs> you know I come in contact with a lot of people during the day and there's money and there's things happening and I'm proud that our team has been together a long, long time. Mm. And those that didn't work out, you know, you got to let that go. Yeah. Don't live in the past. Don't drag it around. Yeah. Or I call it future baggage. You know, we can have that too. Fear of the future or dragging around some future problem that hasn't even, or like, you know, I've had to self-counsel on that one. Jenny, you're, you're packing a future suitcase. Put the dang suitcase away, like drop it. Don't go there. Yeah. It's hard for all of us. It is. Wow. Well, thank you for all your insights and your work in the world with community carbon trees and it's really amazing all the different layers of society and and ecology that you are uplifting with your work and I'm so excited for everyone to go check it out to uh, watch the documentary and to um, support your work so how can people get in touch with you and sponsor tree and all that thank you um, yeah we're easy to find on Instagram, uh, we're Community Carbon Trees Costa Rica and Tree Jenny. And then the link trees on both of those accounts go to our website, which is communitycarbontrees.org. And we offer a couple different ways you can sponsor trees on that website. And you can choose to get a U.S. tax deduction so there's a button for that and you can send certificates to your friends and loved ones and post photos in our sponsor gallery. So we love, we love our website. There's a lot of info there and um, same on Instagram and same on Facebook community carbon trees. And we have a lot of platform partners that are featured in the website and a few new ones to be added. So we're going to be working with the Buckminster Fuller Foundation on the Trillion Tree Campaign. And we're one of the 20 groups that were chosen for that. So, wow. yeah, it's a big one. And I think that's going to help give us money that we can then expand to other groups as well. Maybe even your group in Hawaii, right? Like, I can't wait till I can really announce that going live. And so, um, yeah, we're easy to find community carbon trees, tree Jenny, mm. and every single tree makes a difference. You don't have to do huge things to feel that your purpose is also taking care of our nature 
our nature support and our future and, and our, our present. Yeah. So um, yeah, the trees are the, the gifts that keep on giving. I mean, there's so many dang slogans. It's kind of ridiculous, but um, got to have some humor with it all. And we just, uh, we love to hear from people and we love to plant and take care of your trees today and for all the work you do in the world. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Regenerative Revolution podcast. We have all the tools we need to become educated and activated into positively co-creating with the life force of the earth. This podcast is here to help the transition along and help us all get inspired, connect, and act. Please remember to hit subscribe, rate us five stars, and even leave us a nice review. It really helps the show rise in the rankings and helps this message get out to more and more people. Who do you want to hear interviewed next? It's important to me that this is a co-created exploration, and I would love everyone's suggestions for the next episode. You can send those suggestions to me via the Instagram for the show at Regenerative Revolution Podcast, or you can send them to my email jenningsingram at gmail.com. Thank you so much for co-creating this adventure with me and thank you from the bottom of my heart for being an essential part of the regenerative revolution. See you in the next episode.